Hello, my name is Sarah Ann Wilkinson. And I'm Sarah Kelly Reed. We're the co-founders of The Art of Self-Worth. And you've joined us for our podcast where we explore our day-to-day journey with worthiness. We just had a really fun conversation with Chef Daniel from Emiloa. It was really fun, right? So much fun. And we're so excited to share it with you because really Chef Daniel's, and we get to call him Daniel. We've been told now, but we keep referring to Chef Daniel. His philosophy and his food is really the heart of our values at the Art of Self-Worth. It really, you can feel the love in what he prepares and it tastes amazing. It what was really cool was before we actually started recording, he was curious about why we wanted to talk to him out of everybody at Emaloa, right? There's a whole team at Emaloa. Why did we want to talk to the chef? And and that's because it's one of our eight segments of our self-worth wheel. So we actually pulled it up for him. And I don't know about you, but it was really cool to see how excited he was about the fact that you know, he's a chef, so he understands the importance that good food, well-prepared, really can have on a person, but so many people just kind of gloss over it. So I think what made it really cool was that, yeah, we all know, like, food and nourishment for all three of us is ranked in the top eight. Food has so much um, beauty with it, and it has some baggage, and so the combination to be able to really like put it up on a pedestal and be like, let's talk about food. Let's talk about food in a way that is loving, that is joyful, that is caring, that is community, that is raising everyone up in our frequencies. You know, that's the conversation I want to be a part of. And I got to be. Yeah. Even from how Daniel learned cooking, like in the kitchen with his mom, with his grandma, Like he learned that mentorship right away, that kind leadership from them. He was saying how much they supported him. But then now he's able to do that for other people at Emaloa. And it sounds weird to say that I think because of that maternal way that he learned, he's able to bring that energy into his kitchens. We talk about this in the episode. It's not a mean kitchen. It's a kitchen that's led by kindness. (laughs) amazing and and it tastes it tastes through in the food never ceases to amaze me how you can actually taste the love give a listen to this episode daniel has so much breadth of experience before he joined emaloa he studied for years um, with an ayurvedic chef from india uh, and that really comes through his philosophy of community in the kitchen Uh, he studied with a lot of other chefs as well. So when you're at Emaloa, you have so many delights on the tongue, all different cuisines. And what's super exciting is he has a cookbook now. So if you can't make it to Emaloa, you get to experience some of this at home. So we'll have that link below for you as well. Yeah, And it's by far of all the vegan cookbooks that I have purchased. 
or gotten from the library, it is the most accessible and, and not even just the most accessible. It's actually legit. The recipes are doable <laughs> and simple. Like I'm really excited to, be, to cook them. So check it out. It's called Sacred Nourishment, which again tells you just so much about his philosophy of, of food. It's a great episode. Let us know what you think. We are just so excited that you are here. And thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we had the opportunity to talk a little bit just now, but we'd love to dive in and ask, what made you become a chef? And and why do you focus on food? Well, um, this is funny because when I was young, I started becoming with the idea to be a chef. I'm the example of the people who decide young what they want to do, and at the end, they achieve with the goal, right? In some point, I start being connecting more with the food and the sense of um, prepared, you know, with cook. We, when I was cooking with my mom and my grandma, um, and after that, that interest just started becoming more bigger and bigger. So when I was teenager and the people start asking you, what would you like to do when you become an adult? I always answered, uh, I want to be a chef. So that idea just started becoming in my mind and I make that real. I love that you knew from such a young age, like <laughs> you knew you wanted to be a chef. I think that's such a beautiful thing. I love it. I, it's, I feel like it's my passion and I'm I'm love that I could uh, follow the thing that just is from my inside. Right. And I feel I believe that helps me a lot to give my best. Right. When you feel comfortable enough about what you are doing it, it's easy for you to do the best always. So that's why I I feel so connected with this. I love the fact that you started cooking with your mom and your grandma. Can you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about what that experience was like? Well, this is something like emotional, I guess, because I just enjoy a lot. I mean, being in the kitchen with them, um, I cannot describe why. But I just enjoyed and always I was attracted to be using all the tools, right? The knife and chopping boards and pots and everything. And they maybe just uh, help me and give me the chance for connect with this. And they support me, you know, and they let me also cook with them. So that's maybe helped me to start feeling these needs for being in the kitchen, right? What's so beautiful about that is I think it really translates in how you approach a kitchen today, right? Like, so you have this really beautiful way of talking about a community kitchen, like that Mm -hmm. it's not as much of a hierarchy as you see in a lot of restaurants. Can you share your philosophy on community in the kitchen? Okay, I was with the idea to becoming a chef. And when you start with this uh, industry, you disco- discover an award where everything is too tough, right? Work in a kitchen is hard. And mostly of the times, uh, you work in places where the chef is like an, a mad person, right? Like uh, shouting and people maybe not, don't feel connected enough w- with what they are doing. it, but I had a wonderful opportunity to work with an Indian chef for four years. And actually that person 
teach me a lot about the people, right? More than just all the learning of cooking, he opened my view in terms of to think more in the people, right? The people which conform our kitchen and be on a person that can really support them, not just for um, their learning, also in the way that they can develop themselves as a person, right? You know, growing uh, emotionally and in all that facts, right? And from that point, I learned that the results are really well, right? You can have a high-quality kitchen with high-quality food, and the people on the back is working with happiness and is enjoying what they are doing it. So I'm, I try to follow that philosophy, right? Uh, more than just uh, food recipes or uh, menus on the board uh, and ask the people to follow this and try to create the same. I try all first to connect well with them, to know well them and give them the chance for feel uh, safe enough working with us, right? In, in the space that I'm creating. And after that, I start teaching them about my style of kitchen. And at the end, the result is magic because we have uh, food which is prepared with a lot of love and intention and passion. And, and the people really feel that. So that is something which is true there, right? Something that the people actually can enjoy. Maybe something that they cannot see or touch, but it's that energy and the way that we present the dishes and everything that is from all this passion that the people deposit in there. So this is my philosophy, focusing the people, focusing the people who works in the kitchen. Hands down, one of our favorite parts of visiting Emaloa, it's the community that you've built in the kitchen because everybody is so, I'm sure there's bad days that we don't see, but everybody yeah. is just like happy. <laughs> They are happy to be there. There's no yelling. And I think it really does translate into the love. Like every bite we would take, like, oh my gosh, Sarah, how many times were we like, this is our favorite meal? It was actually becoming a joke by the end of the retreat because people would be like, is this your favorite tonight? And we'd be like, yes. (laughs) I'm happy that you enjoy it. This is something that people always said, like, okay, I'm eating. And I said, wow, I love this dish. But after the next one, I can say (laughs) it's the same one. It's the same thing, yes. It really is. And you can so taste the love in each meal that you bring out. And I think that that really gets to this next question. It's really obvious how food impacts the body, right? There's like that correlation that most of us understand from science. But I think at Emaloa, this is so clear that the food also impacts the mind and the soul and the heart. And can you talk a little bit more about how you've seen food impact beyond the body? Yes, of course. Maybe, well, I just spoke about my philosophy in terms of my, and the kitchen, right? But something special that I learned since I started working at Emiloa is uh, the philosophy from Emiloa, right? Emiloa is like a 100 plant based campus. And an interesting fact is that most of the people who visit us is not plant based. Even, even I am not plant based. I enjoy the food for sure in all the ways. But imagine to create experiences that attract people to feel comfortable enough if they are not into this diet, right? 
But after seeing the people connecting with the food, connecting and feel uh, awake that consciousness about the food, I understand that in our life, in nowadays, people maybe it's not thinking about food, right? It's, and maybe it's not a decision that they do for on purpose. But when we have an, a busy life, uh, we have a busy works, attend the kids and everything, we put the food at the end, right? And we don't care about what, what actually we are going to eat. So I see uh, Similoa give the chance for people for awake the consciousness of this fact and reminds to put the food in a really important stage of our life, right? Maybe change our habits or our diets and do something more um, the healthy that actually can nourish ourselves, right? I believe that if we start doing those changes, we are going to start learning how our life will change, right? It's something that I, maybe I cannot ex explain like in science, but it's true that we can really heal our body through the food or, or because food is our medicine. We don't need many of the things that we try to consume to try to have an, a healthy life. It's just try to focus well on what we are eating, which are the sources of the ingredients, and nourish ourselves through the food, right? And this is something that people actually don't think about and actually don't care. But I find that even though I in a nice place where we can show that to the people and make them have this change in life. And after that, they will learn how many benefits they will get from that point of view. Absolutely. Thank you. I love that you brought up the philosophy of Imaloa into that because you have recently transitioned to not just being the executive chef, but being on the leadership team as well. How has that transition been? What prompted you to move in this direction? We'd love to hear more about that. And congratulations. It's and congratulations. Super yeah. exciting. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited too. I feel during my career, more than just follow my passion, uh, cooking, I learned that I love also lead the people, uh, help the people to grow, right? So I discovered that I have some skills doing it because since when I started working, I have been the person who helps the people to, to grow, right? to be an, a better professionals and persons too. So from that point of view, I start thinking that also I would like to grow as a professional in terms of manage, right? To, because I will have that opportunity. I accepted the opportunity to, to be the executive chef, but at the beginning, I always had the idea to in some point have the opportunity to become a manager and work in that area, right? Jorge knew in, which is our general manager, he knew that. And he just asked me, like, Can, do you feel ready for something like this? And I was like, yes, of course, let's do it. I mean, I'm maybe I'm not ready, but something beautiful that is happening is that they even give me the chance and they tell me that they are going to support me through this process and help me to understand well and improve the skills when I where I need it, right? This isn't a big change, but I have been enjoying a lot, yes. Okay, we just have two more questions. First one, they might be the same, they might be different, but what is your favorite dish <clears throat> to either cook or eat, or both? Here at the Milo or in general? Maybe both. 
always the people ask me, which is your favorite dish? And I, it's, and I always answer, like, this is a really uh, difficult question <laughs> because I love everything. I enjoy everything. Yeah. Kira de Miloa, uh, my favorite dish, I could say, well, we have many, but I really like it. The concept of a comfort food, it's uh, something that I like it, right? And that's why the dishes that I have for lunch are the ones which I most like because I feel like are more like familiar, right? Like real comfort food. So let's say the nachos, for example, that we made, I really love it. And one of my favorites type of cuisines is the Asian cuisine. So I love the sushi bowl too, because all the taste that we have and we use for that dish. And, you know, for preparing, I love to prepare all of them. One thing that I love to do when I'm cooking is just connect with what I'm doing it. And I try to do always with the best way that I can. So I just enjoy cooking everything. <laughs> Doesn't matter the dish. And in life, I mean, personally, I would say like uh, Asian food is my favorite. And the Middle East food. I don't know if it's just for the influence that I have from the previous chef that I work with, but I like it. I love a lot of the use of spices. For example, you maybe noticed that in many of the dishes that you enjoyed at the Miloa, the spices were present every time. So I'm not a chef that actually I cannot cook without the spices. And maybe it's because I work with an Indian chef for four years. So I, I'm full of spices in the kitchen. Yeah, I feel like this is the most things that I like it. Oh, I wish I was having lunch at Maloa. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of the things we are super excited for your new cookbook, Sacred Nourishment. We have copies. One of the most challenging parts of leaving in Maloa is we miss the food. We miss the food. Mm -hmm. And I know after my first trip there, I ended up coming home and buying a bunch of plant-based cookbooks. I was like, I'm going to do this. And they haven't been opened. And we opened yours and it was like, oh, we can do this. Like this transition is easier. We also want to tell you that we've got people in our WhatsApp group sharing photos of creating your recipes at home already. Oh, really? I would love I to see that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll send them. The, the cauliflower soup has been our our group's favorite to date. <laughs> I'm sure that will evolve. So with all of that said, what are you hoping people get out of your cookbook? Well, it's from when we started thinking about to create a cookbook, it was actually because all the people were asking for something like this. They start discovered that their experience in Miloa had been great and they want to replied the same in their houses. So people was start asking me about recipes and and all this information so they can do the same at home. And from one day just Jay came to me and says, why don't we start working in a cookbook? And I was like, yes, why not? It's something that I haven't think about before. But from the needs of the people and the, because the people start asking a lot for it, I said like, well, let's try it. And that is the reason why the book is focused in all the experience through Emilio, right? Uh, the idea is to write more books in the future, and maybe I will focus in other topics. But with the first one, I wanted to honor 
uh, in Miloa. And that's why the people can learn from there, which is our philosophy, which is our teamwork, which is our intention between uh, with every dish that we prepare. And also to give the chance from the people who visit us and enjoy our dishes, have the opportunity to get the same recipes and try to uh, do the same for their families and communities. Because at the end, uh, we found like this could be in a way that we can use for carry the message or and the philosophy of Imiloa, you know, people be more connected with the food, with the sense of nourish their body and share that with their families and communities. And I hope that this goal is achieving from everyone who is getting. And I hope everyone who is getting the book also is enjoying it and they are available to prepare everything. I try to write a book with ingredients that are allowed to get in U.S. mostly. But anyway, in some some ingredients that maybe are from here, I advise also what can you use for substituting. So, yeah, this is what actually people can find there in the book. I loved that. That was my biggest concern before I, I got your cookbook was, oh, it's going to be so hard to recreate it with my non-tropical New York State (laughs) grocery store papayas and stuff. (laughs) And like going through it, I'm like, oh no, these are things that I actually can make. Like a lot of the stuff I can grow in my own garden. And I'm really excited about that. It's translatable for folks that aren't lucky enough to live in Costa Rica. Congratulations, you have a garden. Yes, I love it. This is amazing. Well, you know, being at Amaloa, that farm fresh, like garden fresh produce, it really makes such a big difference. Yeah, yeah, I I guess. I understand or I learned from different guests that have been here at Amaloa that our quality of vegetables and fruit is is completely different. I have been in the U.S. to test this. But all the people always uh, said that this is completely different. I mean, for example, people came here and said, I hate papaya, but after eating here, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I always tell people like papaya for me is one of the craziest fruits, just how different it tastes when you buy it up in the United States, because it's just not even when it ripens, Mm -hmm. it doesn't taste nearly as good. Uh, I don't even bother with it up here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so, so, so much. This was such a great conversation. Is there anything else that you want to share that you want our listeners to know about either you or about food or about Imaloa? I just could add that Imaloa is in a really special place. And actually, uh, for people who really want to come, already have been here, knew it that we are supporting a lot of families and, and communities here at Imiloa. For example, our suppliers of fruits and vegetables are families who make an, a huge effort to produce this quality of products. And as we are growing as a business, uh, they are growing too. So that is wonderful and something that people must know that you know, Imiloa making a huge effort to really make that through, right? To support the communities and, and, and people and families. So for people being here, uh, you should know that we are contributing with this, with the people. And even with, with the book, one of our ideas is also 
try to help with the communities. So with the sales and everything, you know, more than just uh, make revenue is try to find a way to contribute with the people. So that is something that I maybe would like to share. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. I think it was Jake that was sharing the story about how one of the families that you get the produce from was able to completely upgrade their house. Like they were living in like a small little mm-hmm. house and they were able to upgrade so that they have more than a couple of rooms for the family. They're able to get like a nicer truck to bring the produce up and stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. For the family that we started working with, uh, they just was passing through on uh, difficult issues and after we start working with them i think we create like an, a big opportunity for them to change for example their kids stop study for example because they needed to go and work in the farm because his dad had like an accident so he couldn't work there but now after we create all these uh, improvements they are again going to the school they back to the schools things like this so that is great and also you know they are growing with their things with their needs with the house with their things that they need for having a great life so it is beautiful and i'm sure that this is happening with more people right it's a ripple effect that's what i love so much about the work that you're doing the work that emily was doing the ripples are going out i feel like into the community instead of into i don't know people's yeah. pockets more that's right. Yeah. You know, it's difficult to find a project that actually really helps people. So I'm really glad and happy that I'm part of one project that actually is doing this. Oh, well, thank thank you for joining. And we're just so happy to share the message of what you're doing. It's so, so important. Welcome. My pleasure. And thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it.